Welcome, YouTube creators, to the Tube Labs podcast, because you can't experiment enough or talk too much YouTube. Welcome to the Tube Labs podcast. I'm your host, Rosh Sillers, and this is a special show because it is the one-year anniversary show. And if you have listened to this show, you probably have heard me mention the name of our next guest a few times. And as many of you also know, I'm, I'm need neck deep into analytics and charts every single day. And so when I originally ran across our next guest's work, I instantly became a fan. And many of you already know that. I had the opportunity to briefly meet uh, Matt Geelan at uh, VidSummit just about six, eight months ago. And I'm sure he is still trying to get the slobber off of his sleeve. I apologize. <laughs> I, I knew, I probably knew about then that I was going to invite him for the one-year show. And to my delight, when I uh, asked him to come on the show, I was not met with the restraining order. I was met with a kind, yes, I'd be happy to come on your show. So with that, Matt Geelan, welcome to the Two Blebs podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's always an honor to be asked to speak with someone, especially on their one-year anniversary. So thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And, you know, this show, it's, I, I enjoy sharing via the podcast format, although we are talking video. Um, but one thing I know is that you have had the opportunity to grow and help grow a number of YouTube channels. And that is what our audience is all about. So let, let's just start with some of the basic stuff. I, I know you have written some papers on the topic that maybe you might want to dig into a little bit. Um, anything that has been on your mind as of late is also a great topic too. But I guess let's just start with the idea of somebody today, spring of uh, 2020, wants to start a YouTube channel. Where do you think they might want to go? What might be the first things they want to think about? Yeah. Um... Fantastic question. You know, I think one of the things that someone starting a YouTube channel today has that we definitely didn't have when I started on the platform over a decade ago now was just a tremendous amount of resources available to them to learn about how the platform works and how to build an audience and build an audience the right way on YouTube. Um, you know, I would argue that uh, Tim Schmoyer is probably... Uh, best in class for like new YouTubers, quote unquote, small YouTubers, people just starting out in terms mm -hmm. of, um, you know, the content and courses he has available to help you get your feet under you and really give you clarity on what your goals are for the YouTube channel, why you're doing it and what's important to focus on early on. So right. um, that's where I would suggest they start. Um, yeah. You know, our channel is really, uh, the Little Monster YouTube channel is really, I would say, probably for the hardcore data nerds, the the people with audiences that want to grow it even faster. We definitely have plenty of content for, like, new YouTubers and small YouTubers and people who are trying to understand how it works. Um, but we get really deep and really heady into a lot of very kind of advanced topics. And right. um, if you're just starting out, um, you know, the the main things that we would suggest are using this time to really experiment and uh, get your feet under you, uh, you know, dip your toes in the water just around content creation. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much you learn just by doing um, that that's going to be the most valuable thing. And 
not worry too much about growing right out of the gate uh, and really focus on like honing your skill and honing your craft. Sure. What, what are some of the things that are on your mind today? I mean, you, as you mentioned, and that's one of the reasons why I followed you when I first, actually, I think I first saw that you, I've known of you beforehand, but I first saw you on Tim Schmoyer's uh, podcast. Yeah, so live. And so that was in your very beginning. And I probably couldn't have rushed over to your channel fast enough and clicked subscribe. <laughs> I'm sure I was one of the first 500 or so. So I'll wear that as a badge of honor for what it's worth. Um, but digging into the, uh, the deeper stuff, you know, I know that's what you'd like to dig into. That seems to be your passion. What are some of the things that you're seeing right now as you're moving forward? Maybe some of the things that you're digging into that have ex- excites you about maybe some of what's new or what's happening or what's not changing on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I really haven't seen all that much new, I would say in the last year and a half or two years, there, there really haven't been any, like seismic platform changes that um, I think have fundamentally altered how YouTube makes recommendations outside of the, the kid space, which, you know, with COPPA and all the changes around there, um, definitely some, some massive seismic changes, but the vast majority of people don't make content for kids or featuring kids. Uh, it just happens to be some of the most viewed. So right. um, that aside, you know, the the same things that have been true for a very long time on YouTube, pretty much since the shift to watch time, um, is that the creators that do a great job of getting people to click on their videos, and once they've clicked on their videos, keeping that person entertained, they're going to thrive, right? And what is entertaining is different to every audience for every creator, um, and finding what that means for your audience and then, um, you know, doubling down and tripling down on that so that YouTube can then use that data to find more people that are similar to your audience is by far the, the best way to go. And it's, you know, there's a lot more to it than that, but that's about as simple as, as you can get it. Sure. You know, there, there are different, I, I, talk with uh, Nico Kaminsky quite a bit and he's on the show a few times and we talk about the different algorithms. Um, and you know, one thing I I had a question that kind of came to me and maybe you can answer this question. I think I kind of know the answer, but, um, looking at the different algorithms, let's say something comes along. Um, for example, I have a great example. Uh, you, some folks make some videos about your channel has nothing to do, for some reason they decide to do so. It's a positive thing, but they send a lot of traffic. Most of the traffic comes from channel pages, totally trashes your retention. Does that affect your other, um, say the algorithm and others, such as suggested algorithm, such as browse? What, what does it affect as a whole or is, do you understand each algorithm to be separate? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the way to think about it is really is like a recommendation system. Right. Right. And each recommendation system and the main ones being like the YouTube homepage or browse, uh, suggested videos and search right. all operate differently um, because they're very different parts of the platform and, and audiences want to interact with content in those three areas a lot differently. Um so a bunch of traffic coming over from a channel page that might be untargeted traffic. Um, if that drops your retention down, it's actually not too harmful. And the reason why it's not too harmful is because basically it just means that YouTube is less likely to 
show your videos to those people who clicked off very fast in the future. So right. they weren't really audience ever in the first place. Um, that said, the people that do stay and watch and, and do generate good average view duration will be more likely to be served your videos in the future. Um, and so the main thing that can happen there is that if you do have a video that does very well and potentially gets a lot of traffic from another channel or some other source, the issue can become your future videos. Mm -hmm. But really, it's about keeping your own expectations in check. Um, okay. For example, if you are a skateboarding channel, okay. for some reason, you put up a video about woodworking, but that video does extremely, extremely well, right? It gets a bunch of traffic from a whole bunch of different places for woodworking for whatever reason. Um, anytime you don't upload a woodworking video, the people that really enjoyed that video and that are into woodworking, um, are still potentially going to be served those future videos right. all about skateboarding and they're not going to click on them. And over time they'll be served your videos less and less and less until they're just no longer served your videos. Um, and so really it's about like the creator's expectations where if you have one or two videos that are kind of outside your core programming or core audience that do really well, you can't expect that same audience just to go with you wherever um, in terms of content, right? The audiences have specific interests. And right. in some instances, that particular interest will be the creator themselves, right? Yeah. It's right. why a David Dobrik can do a, you know, explainer video and a, um, you know, challenge video and a reaction video because people are there to hang out with David Dobrik, not right. necessarily because of his format or the topic of the thing that he's doing that day. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's good points in terms of basically what you're saying and, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's the viewer. It's all about that viewer, what that viewer likes and YouTube, if you happen to create another video that that viewer may like again, YouTube will show it. If it's not up the, you know, their alley of uh, data points or so or of sorts, then they won't show it. That pretty fair? Yeah, more or less. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to work it. Well, you're, you're completely right about it being about the viewer, right? Like as programmers of YouTube channels, as creators, we often think about YouTube as a platform within the context of ourselves. And YouTube the platform doesn't think about the creator outside of how a individual audience member interacted with that creator and that creator's videos in the last several times it's been shown one of their videos, right? And right. so, so it's, oh, go yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. So yeah, it's it's about the audience. It's not about the the creator or even your own videos all that much. Right, right. What, what do you think when, when you get a new client and I'm sure there are a few things that you see over and over again, every time, maybe they've, they start off, they, they want, maybe they've had some success on their own, but those rookie mistakes that you see when you open up those, um, that, that account and analytics and just kind of look through, what are some of those things that you see, you know, that again, it's something I see all the time in my world and Google, you know, AdWords, so SEO, they're just the same things I see over again. What are those things you see with YouTube? 
Sure. Uh, I mean, the number one thing we see is uh, poor optimization around thumbnails. Um, thumbnails have a massive, massive impact on the likelihood. Thumbnails have a massive impact on how likely someone is to click on your video. Right? It's the first thing people right. see. People hover over it. They read the title afterwards. Um, but that's the thing that draws the eye in, right? It's all the marketing and promotion that that video is going to see. And nine times out of 10, there's a lot of uh, increased performance that's found just in the thumbnails. Uh, second place would be in titles. And then in third place would be kind of where your thumbnail and title stem from, which is programming choice. Right. So, so would, you, would you consider programming choice could that be number one if you're going to put it in order or do you put it at number three? I put it at number three because it's a more difficult concept to communicate. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also probably the area that I would say is the hardest to really truly master. Okay. And there's no way to just clearly see in your own data, oh, programming choice. Uh, you have to do a lot of your own categorization and analysis to really be like, oh, okay, here's the programming choices I need to make, right? right? So if you're a cooking channel and you do breakfast foods and lunch foods and dinner foods and, si and sides and desserts and you know everything else under the sun, right? You might find very clearly like, well, people don't really wanna know about your breakfast or lunch recipes. They really just wanna know about your side dish. Mm. Yeah, good point. Right. And by accurately looking at the data, right, and labeling your own videos, that kind of stuff can become readily apparent, even if it's not readily apparent to the creator making the content in the first place. Right. right. There's lots and lots and lots of times where we go in and we do that data analysis. And like, wow, I had no idea that my videos on, you know, topic C on average far outperforms, you know, all my other topics because right. When you're the creator, you get lost in that forest real quick, right? Yeah. yeah, good point. You have a video on topic A take off, and that one clouds your judgment um, for all the other videos within topic A um, that don't perform as well, right? And so for us, it's about finding where your largest segment of audience is and mm -hmm. then super serving that audience because that allows YouTube to do what it does best, which is promote your content to similar people like that but you want to lean into the largest audience segment because those are going to be the ones that give your next video their best metrics click-through rate average duration view velocity etc that, that's a good point i mean actually that's a really good point in terms of the size of the audience a lot of times you know people have an idea but there's not a big audience for it or maybe the audience has passed there isn't an audience for it anymore or it hasn't developed yet they're so early in the game and uh keeping an eye on that and knowing that, you know, the size of your channel will depend on the size of an actual audience out there. You know, one of the things um, that's talked a lot about in terms of thumbnails kind of swinging back to that area, do, do, you, do you recommend, and I, I know you do at some level, but do you, do you regularly test thumbnails? Is this something that you recommend people do? on a regular basis or maybe even look back at some of their old work or do you are you uh, there's actually two camps you know try to update your old work or just keep focusing on the new videos where, where do you stand with that and what are your thoughts about those uh, especially a b testing thumbnails 
Yeah, so we definitely do a tremendous amount of thumbnail testing. Uh, we use Google, we use TubeBuddy, uh, but more importantly, we also use each next upload as a new test, right? right? Every new video is a new data point in your understanding of your audience, the YouTube platform, your channel, uh, and how to build your audience, right? So um, everything is just an ongoing test where as new data comes in, you have to reevaluate your various positions on what is and is not working, especially as it pertains to thumbnails. Um, we absolutely recommend going back through the library and updating that content to um, things that'll be better performing, right? Titles um, too? Titles too, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, for any number of reasons, not the least of which is that you could put a video out that has a great thumbnail and title for your particular audience. But when that video gets into our, you know, 72 plus, you know, day three plus, mm -hmm. that video begins being shown to people who are not in your core audience. And right. a better thumbnail and title combination or just a better thumbnail or just a better title for that audience that has no idea who you are um, can lead to much better long-term performance for that video. Okay, okay. So, as we start to uh, wrap up, I kind of want to dig a little bit into um, maybe some of the things that maybe YouTubers are not seeing. I, I, I think you've kind of touched on what, what is it do you think a lot of YouTubers just don't get about YouTube? Sure. So I think the number one thing uh, would definitely be that it's not about them or their videos. It's about the audience. Um, that is a really hard way to reframe a content creator's thinking. Um, you know, I've resisted against that for some time myself. Um, so uh, that's first and foremost, but you know, we covered, <laughs> covered that territory for a yeah. while. Um, the other thing I would say is that the second thing I would say in terms of what we notice that a lot of people just don't get is the importance of looking at your own data, uh, especially click-through rate. Mm -hmm. Click-through rate's extremely tricky because if I said a video has a 10% click-through rate, right? Yeah. A lot of people would probably say, oh, 10% click-through rate would be great. And a lot of people would say 10% click-through rate, that's horrible. Right. And the truth is neither one is correct because click-through rate is relative. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's probably why uh, you took, took so long to release it, I would think, just because they understood that fact and knew that people may misinterpret what's yeah. going on. I think you give YouTube a lot more credit than I do. I think it's because <laughs> they just don't want to share data with anybody. That's a fair statement, too. <laughs> yeah. So, very good. All right, let me tell you, I'm, I'm just thrilled that you took the time. Um, I know it's been a long day uh, to, to visit the Tube Labs podcast. Matt Geelan, where can people find you? And, and feel free to talk a little bit about um, Little Monster. Sure, um, well, they can definitely find us on our YouTube channel, which is just uh, Little Monster Media Co. Or they can search for me. Um, that's probably the, the best way to, to follow along as we put stuff out. Uh, we're on Twitter. Um, little monster mc uh, we're also on facebook and you can check out our website littlemonstermediaco.com uh, and then earlier this year we started a service that's doing just absolutely phenomenally uh, called monsterthumbnails.com oh that is doing well 
That's good to hear. Yeah, it's doing great. Yeah, we've got, you know, coming up on 50 clients, uh, doing, you know, I think a little over 1500 thumbnails a month for, for our clients and, um, just been, been super excited with the growth and more importantly, super excited with the work that the team here is putting out. Um, you know, just seeing some, some really amazing work from our, uh, designer and strategist on it. And it's a great way to engage with little monster to help us build your channel, uh, or help you build your channel um uh that's uh, much more affordable than like our consulting services or channel management services right 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 well once again uh, matt geelan thank you so much for visiting the tube labs podcast thanks for having me on man the tube labs podcast is hosted at the tubeblog.com